Welcome to today's episode of The Jack's Current, a podcast developed by Jack's USA, Northeast Florida's economic development organization. I'm Tina Worth, Vice President of Workforce Development, and I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Broderick Green, Jack's USA's Senior Director of Business Development. Thanks, Tina. I'm really excited about today's guest. We're sitting down with Jared Rice, who was named the Executive Director of the Players' Championship at the end of last year. He's been pretty busy since then, overseeing renovations to the course, getting ready for this year's tournament, and continuing to raise awareness and interest for golf's unofficial fifth major. Well, I am excited as well, and boy, this is a big week for you. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Happy to be here. We'll jump into questions here in a second, but let me go ahead and give listeners a little bit of background about you. Jared joined the players in 2010 as Director of Sales and Marketing, following several years at the PGA Tour working in business development. After taking the helm of sales and marketing, he was named the top salesperson for PGA Tour-owned events three years in a row. Nice. And was promoted to VP in 2016. During his tenure, attendance has grown by more than 70%. That's a 7-0. Hospitality sales have more than doubled, and the 10-year commitment started in 2010 to raise $50 million for local youth charities, a cause near and dear to my heart, will hit its goal in just about seven and a half years. Jared, thank you so much for joining us during this is arguably the busiest week of your year. Thank you. Yes, it's extremely chaotic, but all all in a good good way. So probably can't see, obviously we're, we're on a podcast, so you can't see me, but I'm blushing about as much as you're. <laughs> shirt when I when I hear those types of uh, statistics but like any one of us we know it's part of a team and there is uh, you know there is no one person that is responsible for all of that uh, and just like the tournament is not ever about one individual golfer uh, it's about the field and and playing on a magnificent course the same goes for our team and what we've been able to achieve so we're, we're proud of it and uh, more of the same great well let's get started so the players championship is really the most unique asset for our region how are you continuing to innovate the event experience and to keep fans engaged and attract new ones? Well, I think you know, one of the things that we look at is uh, you know, really an honest assessment of what our competitive landscape is. And, and by that, I mean it's not a shock to consider a lot of large HD televisions in people's homes and a close proximity to a refrigerator and friends and neighbors that can very easily sit home and, and watch this great tournament on a telecast that is uh, second to none with our partners like Golf Channel and, and NBC and even online at, with the PGA Tour Live program. So we have to be better than that. So when it comes to the fan experience, we have to create something that is so compelling uh, and, and so convenient for fans that they want to come out and, and be a part of it. So it's really a dedication to understanding the, uh, the fan environment, making sure there's plenty for them to do. Uh, and from a community perspective, really generating energy to, to understand, again, that this is a, you know, as you just said, a, a huge advertorial for our region. We'll get into it a little bit later, but some of the statistics around uh, where the broadcast is distributed, uh, the fact that it is uh, distributed in prime time in the UK and Ireland is a huge opportunity for us. And, uh, you know, again, just just illustrating there's a, there's a lot of great things to, to do out of the tournament. Yeah, you know, one of the more impressive statistics as it relates to global reach is the fact that you are broadcast in 226 countries. So a uh, serious major international event. And um, We're not going to have to name all of them, are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> there will be a quiz. <laughs> no. I, there was, it's funny, at one point, and, and the, I think we, we broadcast in its 31 languages, and I had someone come up to me after a speaking engagement and say, all right, we have, we've come up with 23 of the languages. Can you help me out with the rest of them? And I and I did confirm all. There's various dialects, but it's uh, it's not only 226 countries, a billion over a billion households, but also 
in uh, 31 different languages. That's Very impressive. Interesting, yeah. Now, do you tailor your reach in terms of making inroads, um, both for younger populations, but then also for the global markets? Are there particular considerations uh, with regards to getting younger generations engaged in golf? Sure. Uh, well, well, two things there is one of our goals to, you know, primary goal is to grow the status and stature of the tournament. And how we do that is by growing the international and national attendance base from golf fans and aspirational event seekers. And by that, I mean the type of people that will travel to go to the Kentucky Derby, the U.S. Tennis Open, events of that magnitude. We are uh, challenged to make sure that we're on the radar for for people that are looking for those types of events and uh, because we have such a great product to offer. So we now uh, advertise in the U.K. and Ireland and and have worked with uh, some some local um, partners to do that, have worked with um, Visit Florida to do that. And uh, we're encouraging people to to attend. We're distributing that messaging in, in late fall and, and early winter during the key planning process or planning time frames. And then we get even more strategic as you get closer to the tournament and we start uh, digitally advertising in regions of close proximity, either drive or direct flight markets. So we're very focused on when, when we advertise nationally or internationally where we're doing that. The second part of your question was uh, the, the demographics and that that group of national international will certainly appeal to a certain type of demographic who has the ability to to travel in and and take on that kind of uh, expense or you know what what it takes to come here mm-hmm. but locally we also want to be uh, all things to all people and that's a big part of how the course was, and tournament was originally created and as a shrine to golf fans so we do things like uh, kids 18 and under are admitted free. Um, our military programming. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah, one. I, can't, I mean, we've got to, I, I, again, I can go on in this question for a while, so I, I don't <laughs> want people to you know, zone out on this. But uh, our military program of uh, you know, all active, retired, and reserve military and their dependents are admitted free. We also put together a, a hospitality zone for them yeah. on 16 Green. So we do a lot to make sure that um, you know, people, for any number of reasons, come out, uh, have, a, have a great time. Yeah, well, on behalf of my dad, he appreciates that day. So <laughs> well, thanks. thank you. We should listen. Uh, it's the least we could do. <laughs> it's a great gesture, actually. So let's let's shift gears a little bit here. Okay. So you're you're from New Hampshire. I am. Went to college at the University of South Carolina. So mm-hmm. a little Final Four nod for the for the men making that run and the women winning the national winning championship, winning the whole thing. How did you end up in Northeast Florida, and kind of what were some of the other career stops along the way that got you ready for this opportunity here? Sure. From University of South Carolina, I took an opportunity with Anaheim Sports, Inc., which was the division of the Walt Disney Company that owned uh, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim and and the Anaheim Angels. Just a great experience. Uh, I mean, I was that person driving the promotional giveaway car out on the field or out on the ice and help administer kids run the bases. I mean, it was it was a great experience. And while the Disney company, we weren't running around with Mickey ears on, but the, the culture and the fan-first and customer-first approach that that company has for all of their guests, what they call everybody, guests, uh, really was very helpful for me in, in, in my career. And I think there's a lot of, uh, it's a very transferable approach that we can even take today. And now not having grown up in the Jacksonville region, I'm curious about your um, perspective about sort of the changing landscape and our competitiveness from an economic development standpoint from your perspective. Sure. How much time do we have left? (laughs) (laughs) We've been here 10 years and uh, we don't want to be anywhere else. Our family, this is an amazing place. And I would say to those listening, the secret's out. And this is a absolutely amazing region 
between a waterway that uh, runs through downtown. The education system is, is strong in St. John's County and has improved uh, significantly of late in, in Duval County. Uh, we have infrastructure that's expanding and growing. Um, it, it is an amazing climate. Uh, on the, I'll get to the sports and, and entertainment landscape in a minute. Uh, it, it's an NFL city. Uh, it is a, uh, you know, a region that has at least two uh, conservatively neutral site college football games a year in the Gator Bowl and the Florida-Georgia game or Georgia-Florida game, whatever year it might be. Uh, and then the last couple of years have had even a third neutral site game. So, uh, I mean, Dallas doesn't even have that, I don't think. Uh, beyond all that, you have the golf you know, infrastructure of you know, over 45 golf courses within uh, two hours of, uh, or a little less than two hours of TPC Sawgrass, and then uh, the best fan experience of golf being the Players' Championship every year. That is a huge, not only visibility driver that we talked about, but you think about the guests of all of our sponsors that are coming in from out of town. It's amazing when uh, you see the roster of some of the attendees from our Top sponsors like PricewaterhouseCoopers and uh, Optum and, and Morgan Stanley, they're, in, they're inviting some top, top decision makers. And that makes a big difference when those decision makers are thinking about where to relocate a business, where to buy Absolutely. a second home, where Absolutely. to have a conference. But I think we, we do that in spades, and we're, we're very prideful of what we're able to bring to the community. Well, that's why we are grateful to have you here today for sure. <laughs> Indeed we are. Um, not only are we lucky enough to have the players in our backyard, but Northeast Florida is also home to the PGA Tours Global Headquarters. So help you know, explain for the audience, what does that mean to have that here for us and to have, and do you have sort of a direct line to Jay Monahan, you know, kind of being here in the, in the local market? <laughs> There, uh, there is no direct, there is no bat phone to the commissioner's <laughs> office. Uh, at least one that I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. No, no, no red phone. Okay. Um, what I think is, again, could be interesting for the for the listeners to hear is, we have had six executive directors of the Players Championship, ever. Five of them are still with the PGA Tour. I am one of them. We have uh, four executive leaders of our entire sport that have previously uh, stewarded this event, and one of them is in the office of the commissioner. So that is an amazing resource to have to be able to bounce things off of and uh, you know, really look for some advice and support. And I think, again, as a community, to know that the leadership of a uh, sports league of our magnitude that's based here, the league is based mm -hmm. here in our community, also has so not, so much connectivity to its biggest event, which is also in our community. It's a great resource and, and a huge support mechanic that we have in, internally. All right, great. So let's talk a little bit about the buzz of moving the tournament back to March, which for most of the tournament's existence was when it was played. So what are your thoughts and insights in moving the tournament from May to March? What are the impacts, good and bad, of that change? When this came out and... Um, Again, this is, I've worked for the tournament for six years, and it's, I've only known it as it's been contested in, in May and think it's, a, it's wonderful for our community when it's, when it's, it's in May. Um, we, can, we can have this tournament whenever, and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, maybe other than mid-August. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the comment from the commissioner's office was as part of an overall comment about our, our sport and the idea of setting up a cadence of, significant championships, significant events that would start in March and end before Labor Day um, to avoid uh, the NFL season, really. I mean, the NFL is um, dominant in the first couple of weeks. And as a tour, to have our final events, our Super Bowls, 
at the same time as the NFL's first couple of weeks is it, it, it begs to be looked at. And, um, you know, there's nothing definitive. It's still being considered. But I think there's been a lot of history in, in this, of this tournament in March, and it's, it's been um, you know, competed at a high level in March. And if that's where we ultimately end up, then I know the community will support it and we'll go out and put on an, an awesome show for the world. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time sure. today. Let me hit you with an easy question. First okay. job ever. First job ever. Oh, I got to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. Uh, I I worked. My first job was I cleaned shoes at a bowling alley. That is a true. <laughs> not that's, not just yeah. That's know, glamour right yeah, there. Yeah. That's I mean. If I was lucky, I was uh, I would I get to go out and uh, clear the pins that were stuck in the gutters too. Uh, that that oh, was on a good day. Okay, all right. <laughs> At a responsibility. At That's a good. responsibility. Does, does the smell of, of bowling shoe a disinfectant p- trigger anything? It it immediately <laughs> reminds me. Like of, exactly right. Exactly right. It was listen. It was um, it was a great learning experience. You can you can learn a few things uh, while you're while you've got a job like that and uh, held it for uh, until I went to you know went to school and um, yeah it was it was great. And hypothesizing, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what what field of work do you think you'd be in? I would want to be a weatherman. Really? <laughs> weatherman? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That that is. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of the, my wife. If my wife's listening to this, she'll start dying laughing. I, I'm always looking at the weather app. I always watch the weather on the local news. I'm just always interested in in, in what's going on because it helps me plan my day. So sure. maybe that's a more of a dream job type thing <laughs> is is what I would do would be a weatherman. But um, I think other than that, I would uh, most likely uh, have been in a sales and marketing role. But that isn't nearly as fun an answer as being a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted, <laughs> Jared. Thanks again so much for joining us today and giving us a few minutes of your time to talk about the players your goals for the future and the overall uh, game of golf and its impact here in Northeast Florida. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Jack's Current. Join us next month when we sit down with Tim Cost, president of Jacksonville University. That is going to be a great conversation. So remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Jack's Current.